hello there! Welcome back to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. We are a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. And I am here with my co-host, Indy Randella. Hello. Hello. Are you going to introduce yourself? No, I'm a woman of mystery. <laughs> it's Miss Amantha Heath. It's me. <laughs> you can't see out there, but she threw her hands up and uh, threw sparkles into the air, a big handful of them, and I'm not looking forward to cleaning them up. <laughs> I always just have like a handful of sparkles ready when someone introduces me. That's Samantha's personality personified. Yes. A handful of sparkles. handful of sparkles. One of the girls in book club did describe me as human glitter. What's mine? I'm like a mouthful of rainwater. If you don't really think about it, you might not even notice I'm there. What? No. You're like... A really handsome beer. <laughs> Tasty it. and refreshing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> One of those handsome beers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like in a cool bottle and like. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we are back this week and uh, it's my turn to introduce a movie to Indy. So I'm going to start with my thing of the week. Um, which for new listeners is something that we do where we offer a spoiler-free review on something that we've been really into. Yeah, we'll have a couple of those, and then I get to hear your big pick for next week, which you said you're absolutely 100% sure is a better movie than Into the Spider-Verse, which we did last week. I never said that. I think that's what you said. Nobody said that. I'm quite sure that's what you said. I did not say that. Um, our second guarantee of this episode is that this will be a shorter episode than <laughs> yes. last week. Thanks for hanging in there, guys, if you made it all the way to the end. Whoa, I've not even finished editing that one, so I'm not sure what the final runtime is going to be, but it's well over two and a half hours before editing, but I'm yeah. going to chop that one down. Good, okay. But uh, let's get into your thing of the week, Samantha. What have you been watching, reading, listening to? Well, I was happy I had a couple weeks off of thing of the week because I needed some time to like build up a little like queue of things that I like. Uh, so my thing of the week this week is another book called My Friend Anna, which is a book written by Rachel Williams. Um, it's from 2019, and uh. It's a, like, biography, kind of? Is a situational biography a thing? Sure. So it's a true story, but only about one event, kind of? Yes. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Yeah, so... um, Autobiography? Autobiography, yes. Um, So it's about Rachel Williams, um, who wrote the book, and her experiences with a woman named Anna Sorkin who uh, was a con artist and basically conned her out of a whole bunch of money. Oh, was it a fake personality? Yes. Did she steal her identity? No. Um, So Anna Sorkin, who goes by Anna Delvey, is pretending to be a German heiress and says that she's rich and her family lives in Germany and um, is basically living this, like, super glamorous life when she becomes friends with Rachel and uh, is super generous with Rachel. So Rachel kind of 
goes into this friendship thinking that this girl has all the money in the world to spend because she spends it so recklessly and kind of is very generous with Rachel. So she just thinks that she has like money to burn. Um, and they plan a all expenses paid trip to Marrakesh. And uh, Rachel ends up having to put everything for Marrakesh on her credit cards um, because all of a sudden Anna's credit cards don't work. And um, it basically boils down to being more than $62,000 charged to her credit card. And then when they get back to the U.S., uh, Rachel has a hard time getting a hold of Anna. They stop seeing each other as much. And suddenly Rachel has to um, do all sorts of kind of detective work to figure out that Anna is a con artist and who she really is. And uh, it's a really interesting kind of wrap up. Um, I feel like I can say more about this book because it's been in the news a whole bunch, apparently. Oh, I wasn't aware. We didn't, I didn't see anything about it, but um, I've read about it. And uh, Anna ends up getting charged uh, with fraud and um, a whole bunch of other crimes, basically. Um, and uh, Rachel works with the district attorney in order to bring her down, basically, because she's hiding in L.A. at a spa facility rehab center because the police aren't allowed to go there and arrest her and then the spa kind of turns on her because she can't pay her bills because she doesn't have any money wait she has like amnesty at a spa yes well it's it's a rehab center but it's like it's like one of those fancy ones that celebrities go to i didn't know that was a like sanctuary place yeah it's very interesting to me like where you can claim sanctuary Mm -hmm. And then you're just free from the law. Yeah, so she for a while. checked herself in there for a month. And then basically, like, nobody could come and arrest her because she was already kind of incarcerated because she was an inpatient at, like, a program. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure how that works. But, yeah, so this is a really interesting book. Um, it used some really interesting... Um, laws to convict her like one of the laws that they used was the son of sam law which prohibits those convicted of a crime from profiting Mm -hmm. um because anna was so famous after her initial trial that netflix wanted to acquire the rights to her story right because that's what netflix does yeah and like you got that one kind of cable channel and it's all just Harrowing stories of things happening to women. And it's like, turns out my banker is a werewolf. Or maybe not that funny. Not that funny. (laughs) I'd watch that. That one I actually would. But it's like, my life coach stole my baby. More like that. Yeah. I found this really interesting also from kind of like a crime and punishment side. Because there's a lot of American... Uh, laws that, as a Canadian, I don't understand, but it was really cool to see them all kind of come together to charge her. Interesting. So does the bulk of the story go about the finding out who Anna is, or is it the kind of aftermath of bringing her to justice? So the first half, I'd say, of the book is the narrative of their friendship, Okay. So it includes Marrakesh. It includes, like, they did travel quite a bit together. And, like, part of the reason that it took so long to convict Anna is because Rachel did accept 
like gifts from her basically of like gym memberships and and she did trips. willingly put the stuff on her own credit card right? yeah so that's probably harder to make a crime when you did in fact by your own free will give mm-hmm. the credit card she was able to prove that it was done under duress because basically hotel security was like knocking down their door and threatening to like bring the police in in Morocco and they were you know really scared at that point and so she said yeah no whatever I need to do to like make sure that we're okay um so yeah it's uh it's interesting to see how the story unfolds how kind of blind Rachel was to just how like scammy Anna was being so yeah I'd recommend if you like true crime books or if you enjoy kind of a law and order approach to um a like autobiography then you should read this book so does it kind of follow like that police procedural style or is it more memoirish it's more memoirish but you can tell that rachel learned a lot about the justice system while she was going through all of this and so you get it kind of from her point of view which is good for people who don't know like the legal system in the u.s really well so she does a really good job of like explaining it interesting does this have an effect on the rest of her life does she become like a lawyer that hunts down fraudsters or anything like that seems like a lot of these books end up like that (laughs) uh so this was um only like a few years ago uh so there hasn't been that much change but she has because Rachel wrote a book. She's now paid back all the debt. The debt that she had to pay back because American Express ended up ruling in her favor that she didn't have to pay back a whole bunch of it. Oh, that's nice. Um, And so, yeah, she ended up winning kind of two battles, one that Anna got charged and the other one that American Express, like, forgave some of that debt because she was clearly, like, coerced into it. So last question, how long before this is a Netflix show? Um, well. <laughs> Is there actually an answer? I thought that might be. Um, so Julia Garner, uh, she is cast to play Anna in a Netflix series titled Inventing Anna, which I believe is the Netflix version of Anna's life, basically. And then um, HBO owns their television rights to this book. Um and the project is in development, and Lena Dunham is acting as the main screenwriter. Interesting. Yeah. So in one year, we'll get our second thing of the week on this story mm-hmm. from you. And then the year after, we'll get our third one. Yeah, exactly. So yes, everyone should check this out. It was it was a very good read. It's about... Like, I do audiobooks. I don't actually read things. So I listened to it in about eight and a half hours. Okay, so not so long. I started it yesterday. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was pretty hooked by the time I got to work this morning and uh, just kind of listened to it throughout like the, my whole work day. Well, if you want to be as enthralled as Samantha was, you can check out My Friend Anna by Rachel Williams. And you said the audio audiobook was a good one as well, if you don't yeah, want to read it. It was very good. Sounds good. Well, let's thank our first sponsor of the day, and that is Pod Power. And with Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and other Albertan podcasters. 
And this episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a pod power shout out to book women. And this is one that seems very interesting to me because Book Women is a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing Indigenous stories. Hmm. So there are three Métis librarians representing nations from across the homeland who aim to inspire Indigenous peoples and to share their stories in whatever form they enjoy. So their guests in the past have included Indigenous storytellers from many diverse media, like podcasting, to burlesque, to comics, social media, films, music, and all sorts of other things as well. So if you want to listen to this really exciting podcast, you can listen and find out more at bookwomenpodcast.ca. That's bookwomen, plural, podcast.ca. Well, that sounds cool. I'm definitely going to tune into that. So, Indy, it is now your turn to tell me what you've been really into this week. Like so many other times, I the last minute I realized, oh, I don't have a thing of the week. And I do watch a good bit of stuff. But I went to the old DVD cabinet again and realized I hadn't watched The Cat Returns in quite some time. And it's also on Netflix right now, so it's very easy for people to find. So I thought I'd talk about that. So The Cat Returns is a 2002 Japanese animated, I'd say like fantasy movie, and it's directed by Morita Hiroyuki, and it is a Studio Ghibli film. And as you know from things we've done in the past, I'm always a really big fan of pretty much everything they do. Yes. This isn't a Hayao Miyazaki one, so it's maybe not their top tier stuff, but I still like this one a lot. It's kind of a spin-off of a film called Whisper of the Heart, and that was a, I think, mid-90s movie. And Whisper of the Heart, oh, actually, is probably better than this. Maybe <laughs> I should talk about that. But no, no, we're talking about The Cat Returns. Whisper of the Heart, though, is very good. I think I got you to watch about two minutes of it because I wanted to show you, like, but look how charming these girls are. <laughs> and Whisper of the Heart is one of those kind of quiet, coming-of-age Japanese animated films that I really love. And that's the one where they sang a Japanese version of Country Roads Take Me Home. Do you remember watching that? I do, yes. That was this movie? That was Whisper of the Heart. Okay. And in Whisper of the Heart, there is a cat who is just a, like, cat. Not a talking fantastic oh, cat or anything. Cat. And there is a statue, and somebody in passing tells a story about that statue. So that is the jumping off point for The Cat Returns. This was originally pitched as just a fun cat movie for a theme park. But then as the project grew, they decided to make it a full feature film. And I use full kind of loosely because it's about 70 minutes long. So it's <laughs> a nice short little one. And those two characters, the cat and that statue, are back in this one. So that cat does in fact return. Oh. And the statue is kind of the, not main character, but the hero in a lot of ways. So The Cat Returns follows a young teenage girl, as so many of my favorite animated films do, and she doesn't quite fit in. And like a lot of them, it's a fantasy way of a coming-of-age story at its heart. It starts off with 
pretty much the most enticing setup for me because there's these two girls walking home and one of them sees a cat going into a store and getting a package, like a little tiny box with a ribbon Aww. on it and carrying it in its mouth and going across the street. That's super cute. But then it drops the package and it's trying to pick it up, but there's a truck coming. So she is a lacrosse player and she rushes into the street, scoops up the cat and her lacrosse stick and they both fall into the bushes. Hmm. And that's always that's a great way to start. But then the cat gets up and thanks her. <laughs> and then we're like, okay, I see what kind of movie we're in. It's yeah. not what we were thinking. And I really enjoy the first act of this movie a lot because it's taking place in what's essentially real world Japan. Mm -hmm. But there's something kind of weird going on with cats. So it's revealed that the cat she saved is the prince of the cat kingdom. So now all of the cats are like trying to thank her in all sorts of different ways. So one day she wakes up and her balcony's full of lacrosse sticks because she broke hers trying to save that one cat. Right. And her backyard is full of cattails, like the plant, not cats. Tails. <laughs> I was going to say, that took a dark turn. <laughs> and she goes to school and her locker is full of boxes of mice. Oh. <laughs> because that's what cats would think. And there's this one scene where... All of these cats in the middle of the night come marching down the street, but like on their hind legs. Mm -hmm. And it's equally eerie and terrifying and adorable. And one of the best parts about that scene is there are these kind of bodyguard cats that are protecting the king. So the king cat's being carried on one of those. What do you call one of those things where, you know, like Cleopatra style? A where litter. They, a litter? Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. That's especially funny because it's a cat. Yeah. A cat litter. Yeah. So being carried on a kitty litter. <laughs> and uh, these bodyguard cats are black and white, but it kind of looks like they're wearing suits by their, like, just kind of their coloration. Mm -hmm. And all of these regular world cats are coming up and, like, hissing at them and starting fights because there's these weird walking cats. And the bodyguard cats, like, just beat them up and throw them in bushes and stuff. Oh. It's really funny. Um, that's not giving anything away because all of this happens in the first 15 minutes or so. Uh, I won't give away the majority of the story, but I think you can take away that she is then going to go into this cat kingdom, into this world of cats. It's really similar to a lot of things like uh, Alice in Wonderland or Thumbelina or spirited away even in a little right. bit but it's definitely targeted at a younger audience it doesn't have any of that spooky imagery from something like spirited away hmm. and it's probably not as layered and nuanced and hot takes on capitalism like that movie either right it's definitely a more simple more fun film than uh, some of the more well-regarded studio ghibli stuff hmm. but still very fun and there are things that keep this above your standard kids movie because there's some really fulfilling setups early in the movie that pay off in the resolution. There's like some clever writing in there. There's a lot of good character development stuff also about how this girl grows up. It's not like she sees all these crazy things and now she's an adult. It's uh, more subtle than that and some of the problems she had earlier. It's not that she finds the resolution to them, but she just has the maturity to maybe not worry about them, hmm. which is a little bit of a different take than we see a lot of the time. Cool. But all of that stuff in the cat world is a lot of fun too. I think my favorite is when the cats come into our world, but the cat world, it's a world of cats. So you know, it's going to be pretty fun. It sounds pretty great. And the animation is quite nice as well. 
I would say the character designs are kind of like an earlier Miyazaki, so a little more simplistic, but then the backgrounds, especially in the human world, are more like a um, Hosada who did things like uh, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time and Wolf Children. Mm -hmm. We have a good episode on The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. You should go check that out. And it's kind of a mix of those two. And on Netflix right now, they do have it with the English dub as well. The first time I saw this movie many years ago, I just watched the Japanese one and they were all very good as they always are in Studio Ghibli stuff. But this time I thought I would watch the English version and it was quite good as well. So there is a Disney release that has a different cast for some of it, but the one that's on Netflix now has a few different voice actors, so that's the one I saw. And the lead is Anne Hathaway, there's also Carrie Elwes, Peter Boyle, Elliot Gould, Tim Curry, and you wouldn't think Peter Boyle and Elliot Gould would be in... uh, like any sort of anime but it was really (laughs) cool to see them in there uh judy greer has a role i really like judy greer she doesn't get enough uh, recognition i think she's a very talented comedic actress Uh, andy richter is in a little bit of it and also one of your favorites Kristen bell is in it as well princess anna and princess mia yeah two disney princesses in this (laughs) i love it i'm sold And I don't want to get too much into it, but I guess one of these people is also another Disney princess because Disney has at least distribution rights for Studio Ghibli stuff. And there's a princess cat. Oh, princess cat. Well, soon to be. Uh, You know what? I'm not going to say anything. It's fine. (laughs) Three Disney princesses. So the cat returns is my thing of the week. You can find it all over the place, but Netflix currently has it in Canada at least. So check it out. It's a really fun, light one. Very good for younger kids as well, because there's nothing too spooky or or complicated or anything like that. If you just want to watch it for fun times with cats, it definitely has all of that. Well, that sounds great. I kind of want to go watch that instead of my movie. Let's do it. (laughs) Next week, we'll be talking about The Cat Returns. So we should take a moment to talk about our second sponsor of the episode, and that is the Well-Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. It's hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink, produced by Lisa Pruden, and explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the story of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can subscribe to this inspiring podcast at thewellendowedpodcast.com. That's thewellendowedpodcast.com. Okay, Indy, are you ready for this week's pick? Mm, If I say no, what happens? literally nothing different from what was going to happen before. (laughs) Then I'll say yeah. Okay. Well, this week we are going back to 2001. Mm -hmm. That was a good time. I remember it. Yeah. Um, Ballet Samantha is very happy about this pick. And we are going to be watching the Julia Stiles, Sean Patrick Thomas movie, Save the Last Dance. I know about this movie. Okay. What do you know? I have not actually seen it, but... I think I know the poster. 
and I believe the poster is Julia Stiles dancing in the foreground, and then the background has a picture of her and a man kind of, like, not quite kissing, but, like, head-to-head. Oh, Samantha is showing it to me now, and, yep, that's exactly you what it correct. is. You are correct. So I remember that poster well, because, like, this was at a time... I was in high school. My high school girlfriend worked at a movie theater, so we'd hmm. get to see all sorts of movies. I never did go see this one. Really? Though. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Odd that we didn't, because she was a dancer, too. Huh. Weird. Wait, do I just date dancers? I think so. No, wait. doesn't check out. <laughs> okay, well, this movie is a dance movie. Um, it's set in Chicago, And uh, I really remember liking this movie because I was a dancer at the time and um, it was kind of fun to see her like progression throughout the movie. I don't want to say too much because it's it's a spoiler free start to the episode. So how old were you when you saw this? In 2001, I was probably like 13, maybe. I think I was about 13 when I saw this and uh, I was like heavily dancing. Have you seen it since? No. Not since 13? No. So I really like this movie and I'm really, really hoping that it stands up. Um, I'm very excited. I love when these ones happen. I'm hoping that it still stands up and that it's not kind of cringy now. Well, I imagine it'll be like formulaic and stuff, but I think you'll still find the charm. That's my theory. You'll be like, yeah, it's not great, but you know what? I still like it. That's my prediction. I I really liked Julia Stiles. She was huge at that time. I I don't know how many of you were teenagers right around the year 2000, but if you weren't, you don't know how big Julia Stiles was. Yes! What an odd point in time when Julia Stiles was like, like a teen icon. Yeah. And that went away quite quickly, didn't it? Yeah, she had like a flurry of movies. And then I'm not sure what she's doing now. I can't think of the last thing I've seen Julia Stiles in. I do remember right around this same time she did a movie called Oh with Mackay Pfeiffer and Josh Hartnett that was a retelling of Othello. Oh. Yeah, that's what it was called. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, she was in the Jason Bourne movies. That's right, she was. I didn't see all of those because I didn't really care for them. But yes, in the early 2000s, she was kind of at her peak. Uh, she was in The Prince in Me. She was in 10 Things I Hate About You. She was in this movie. Uh, she was in Mona Lisa Smile. She was in O. So she has done quite a few different movies at this time. And so she was peak Julia Stiles at this moment. I think she was also in a version of Hamlet, if I'm not mistaken. I think right around 99 to two, right up to 2007, I think. So that's actually not just a flash in the pan. That was quite a bit of time. But then she was doing like three big budget movies a year. Yeah. And I think that Bourne stuff may have been the end of it. Not saying it ended because of that. No. But she tried to transition into like not just a teen Mm -hmm. actor. And maybe it didn't go so well. I know I didn't care for... But those movies did very well. So what They did. They were huge movies. Um, Which ended in 
2016, I They're think? probably still going. Probably. I don't know. But well, she's... Matt Damon isn't even in them anymore, but they keep going. He isn't? Yeah, that, I think, what's his name? That guy that I find utterly charmless? Uh, that could be a few people. That's like many people we've talked about on the podcast. But for male action leads, I find um, Gerard Butler and whatever Hawkeye's name is. Jeremy Renner? Yes. Jeremy Renner. Both of those guys, I do not understand how they're in movies, but I think Jeremy Renner might be bored now. Hmm. But were you a big Julia Stiles fan at the time? Or was this probably what made you a Julia Stiles fan? I think this might have been what made me a Julia Stiles fan. I definitely seen 10 Things I Hate About You, which I think came out before this. I think it was 1999 when that happened. So I think I knew who she was, and I think the mixture of dance and her was what kind of pushed me forward to see this movie and the other lead sean patrick thomas mm-hmm. are you familiar with him because i don't really know him no um i'm not super familiar with him looking it up now he was in the barbershop movies yes and that's about it that i know of he was in cruel intentions that i know julia styles wasn't in that but she pretty much could have been yeah <laughs> and cruel intentions too oh and halloween Crueler resurrection Oh, that was uh, not a great one. Oh, he also I believe a... Buster Rhymes was in that one. Really? Yeah. Oh. Why? Why would you say that? What's I don't know. With Buster Rhymes. I don't know. He's my boy. Okay. I loved that guy. I met him when I was twelve, and he told me not to do drugs. He was very high at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so not the best warning. Well, he's still like trying. You know, he's a good guy. True. Very true. So, do you want to know a little bit about what the movie's about? Or should I guess? I th- okay, this is always very fun. You tell me what you think Save the da- Last Dance is about. So based on the poster and the title, mm-hmm. I know it's going to be dancing, but you that's kind of clear. Yeah. The, the way those two faces are there, I assume that's the love interest. Okay. I don't think you can have an interracial relationship in a movie, big budget teen movie at this time, without it being a big deal that it's interracial. Mm-hmm. I don't think it can just be like, oh yeah, this is my boyfriend, and he just happens to be black. I think it has to be a plot point. Right. So let me ask a question. Do they meet at school? Where do these people meet? School. Okay. Is one of them new to the school? Yes. Which one? Her. Okay. So it's a, oh, and it's in Chicago. Is it Southside Chicago? I'm not sure. Okay. If it's Southside Chicago, he's like, I'm cool and urban, but a little bit dangerous. And she's coming from, I'm not sure. It could be two different ways. She could either be like small town Wisconsin, or she could be rich and from the city. One of those two, I'm not sure which. So then they are going to have a relationship, but it's uh, problematic and uh, fraught with issues because they're from two different worlds but they can only come together in dance (laughs) and then there's going to be a way like is it a performing arts school or something like that or is there a talent show Mm. you don't know okay there there's has to be some sort of event where they are dancing not i don't think it can just be like they dance alone for fun and that's what solves it i think it has to be a public performance of some sort and it's going to be like Oh, she's like a ballerina and he's like hip hop or something like that. And then they're going to combine the two styles and make a big dance. And it's going to show that their love and dance conquers all. That's my pitch. Okay. Are you going to tell me if I'm close or I have to wait and see? You have to wait and see. Okay. Do you want to watch a trailer? Sure. Okay. I've got something for you. It's 
for love, not luck. Mom. Because you dance like an angel. Excuse me, are you Sarah Johnson? Your mother's been involved in an automobile accident. <gasps> hey, you dance? I used to. I guess it was pretty tough, leaving all your friends, having to say all those goodbyes. Cool outfit. Slamming. Slamming outfit. Oh. Sarah, how you get your legs to twist like that? I used to dance. You used to dance? It's really not a big deal. I think it is. You should hit steps with us tomorrow night. Steps ain't no square dance. It's all right, I dance in circles, probably around you. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> What's she doing? Two-stepping? Maybe you want to hook up sometime? Work on your moves? Yeah, sure. If you want. Uh, uh, make that sound with me. Make that sound. Uh. <laughs> Wait, you sitting down for tea or something like that? Just slouch a little bit. Slouch. <laughs> you act like you don't know who you are no more, Derek. I don't get you two. I mean, come on. Malachi's scary. You don't have to understand. He's my friend, Sarah. I called Juilliard for an application. They're holding auditions next month. Then let's get ready, then. Let's see some SCX in those HIPs, all right? <laughs> I used to practice three or four hours a day. Never gonna be ready in time. What do you want? Do you want Juilliard? What I want is to wake up and see my mom again. It was my stupid dream, and all she wanted was for it to come true. And I bet she was still wanted to come true. You can do this. It's how you were born to do it. Now show me some attitude. Okay, a couple things. <laughs> yes. I was shocked that her mom died. Yeah. Um, I also went, oh, shit, is that Fred Rostar? And it is, uh, of course, famous from Onyx. And I was a huge Onyx fan, especially yeah. when I was, like, from the ages of, like, nine to when this came out, when I was probably, like, 17 or whatever. Uh, so that was cool. And I'm glad I made my predictions before seeing the trailer, because I think the trailer confirmed a lot of what I thought but there wasn't a big final dance so maybe he doesn't actually come and like dance but it's more that he is like teaching her the ways of the world that she is in now who knows who knows so upon viewing this trailer and you were worried about some of it being cringy <laughs> did you cringe at any of this maybe a little bit yeah a little bit some of that music is like oh it wasn't the music to me it's more that he's just giving her lessons on how to be black. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm just some stuck-up white girl. What can I do? Oh, wait, I can find my groove. It was a little... That's a little cringy. A little bit, a little bit. But yeah. I, I see some charm and chemistry, perhaps. Okay. So I guess that's what we have to look forward to. Charm and chemistry. Hopefully. And cringe. You Quite possibly. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm excited to watch this again. A little bit less excited than some of the other movies I've brought you, but I'm excited to see this again for the first time. I think you're going to love it. You know me. I, like, go a couple years and cannot remember the movie that we've watched. So it's like a whole new viewing for me, I That's think. That's true. If you want to watch this movie, uh, you can find it on Canadian Netflix for sure. And then I believe... Prime Video in the States, you can rent it or buy it, and you can also rent it from YouTube. And it looks like HBO Max has it for some people. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, that uh, it's pretty readily available. You can also, as we say every episode, check your public library. 
I, I'm going to have all of the copies of Save the Last Stands taken out so I can watch it on every TV I'm near. What? I'm going to get so into this movie. Oh my goodness. I'm real excited I'm for scared. It. So uh, we will see you here next week when we talk about the 2001 hit movie Save the Last Dance. It was a hit, wasn't it? It, it was, was a hit. It was probably huge. Yeah. 2001. Lots of There's Julia l- Stiles content. Yeah. You missed all that. That whole wave. I, I saw O. Oh. Okay. Okay. So, Indy and I are going to go watch this movie now, and we'll see you back here. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>